Good morning. I am so excited to be with you all here this morning. Will you pray with me from the Psalms? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, my rock and redeemer. Who will do the dishes? About a year ago, I wondered and worried about this question. Luis and I were incredibly excited to be preparing for marriage, but as with any new step, there were many unknowns. For both of us, dishes are one of our least favorite household tasks, yet doing the dishes is an essential part of daily living. If you eat, there are dishes to do. Maybe 30 minutes worth every day or more if you let it slide. So I was worried. Who will do the dishes? This, this question is tied to one of my worst fears about marriage. A fear that I had even before meeting Luis, that I, as the socially gendered woman in our relationship, would end up taking on more of the household tasks. We both come from cultures where normal gender roles have often tasked women with the unpaid realm of housework. And for many women, this has been a fine arrangement. But culture and expectations are ever-changing. Today, even as gendered responsibilities have equalized, women still often do more hours of housework a week than men. And I feared for those extra hours I might spend on things like the dishes. Now, this is all assuming a heterosexual middle-class marriage, and things could be much more complex in the wonderful varieties of family arrangements and contexts that people find themselves in today. Luis could also be worried that the ways Latino immigrants get treated in US society and the kinds of underpaid labor they often do could also be repeated in our household economy. For our premarital counseling with my pastor, Laura, we read a book by psychologists and marriage researchers who wrote that unpaid work for households reliably causes conflict for couples. So we wondered, who is going to do the dishes? Luis has jokingly commented that his requirement for our marriage is a dishwasher. <laughs> Thus far, we have yet to experience this kind of glorious technology in our relationship. These ordinary tasks, things that make our daily life run, are mundane and often undesirable work, but they also point to the beautiful ways that we are part of God's creation. We are utterly physical and mortal beings. We have bodies that have needs and relationships with other bodies that have needs. Uh, we are highly interconnected to the world around us as social and physical creatures. As Christians, we strive to enact these relationships as they play out in our ordinary tasks in ways that reflect the justice, peace, and love of God. We want our everyday economies to reflect the ways that God calls us to live in this world. One of the ways that the Bible talks about this sort of ideal economy is in, in relating to each other is the kingdom of God. In this kingdom, God's great love is a guide for how we live and interact. This beautiful realm shows up in a number of ways throughout the Old and New Testament, named in ways like the kingdom of heaven or the reign of God, and it points to God's role as the king or creator and shaper of the universe. For us, this kingdom is a matter of vision, 
In other words, can we see what God is doing in and around us? It is also a matter of ethical action. God, call, God calls us to engage in righteousness and peace in our relationships with those around us. And one important element of this kingdom is justice. We see this especially in the Old Testament prophetic literature and the way Jesus uses this scripture. The Isaiah passage today shows us this dream of justice for those who have been oppressed. The whole book of Isaiah contains prophetic words to the Israelite people, calling for them to recognize God as sovereign and condemning the ways that the ruling classes had exploited the vulnerable. Here we see that God cares for the oppressed, for those who have been brokenhearted and captive and is working to bring these people good news of transformation. Verse 2 speaks of proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, which refers to the jubilee year or the regular time of debt remittance and emancipation prescribed in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. This is God's way of regulating a just economy. In the New Testament, Jesus draws on this prophetic tradition by using almost these exact words from Isaiah. In Luke 4, he pulls out a scroll, speaks the Isaiah passage, and says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The kingdom of God is here. One of my favorite ways to name this realm of God is to call it the kingdom of God. Latina mujerista theologian Ada Maria Isasi Diaz heard this term and began to use it more publicly in her writing. She felt like it might help us to think less about the impersonal and often oppressive nature of actual kingdoms in the world and more about this realm as the beloved family of God. She writes, the goal of familia and Latino, Latina culture is to be a true home, oh God, where one belongs and is safe to be and fully become oneself. And it is in, within this family, or kingdom of God, that we play out God's justice in our ordinary tasks. So, back to the dishes. Even before meeting Luis, I have navigated the division of household chores with various roommates over time, and the dishes are often the first thing to come up. During the seven years I was in Oklahoma, I lived in a big old house, often with roommates. The house was previously a Mennonite voluntary service unit, but, also, but, also, but now owned by a church. This tiny, progressive, and kind of gritty, more with less style Mennonite church called itself Joy. This was the kind of church where someone had posted a printout by the sink called Do Your Own Dishes. It described various forms of political and economic systems from neoliberalism to anarchism in terms of dish doing. It was during this time I learned the saying, everyone wants a revolution, but no one wants to do the dishes. In Oklahoma and in all of my adult roommating experiences, dishes have often been one of the first things to be hashed and rehashed. So how would Luis and I do the dishes? As Christians, Striving to enact God's kingdom here and now, we wanted to arrange our home economy, our ordinary tasks and justice-seeking ways, so we came up with a plan. 
Since neither of us loved doing the dishes, we would take turns. I would do one day, Luis would do the next, and we'd keep a tally in case we needed to adjust for other circumstances. Yes, we found a solution. Well, it, it did work for a month or two, and we celebrated our equality of the dishes until it stopped working. And who do you think was having the most trouble? Me. It turns out that soon after we got married, I got really busy with schoolwork and graduating, a few big projects I was planning, and getting my materials ready for the pastoral search process. I was having trouble keeping up my part of the arrangement. I had failed at enacting my most high ideals of ordinary justice. So we had to regroup, and Luis said something like, you are incredibly busy. How, how about I do all of the dishes for a while until things change for you? Wow. Is this what grace looks like? Uh, a gift that I didn't really deserve, but allowed me to move forward in a less incredibly stressed out way. What it felt like was a relief and the safety of being held in a relationship of love. In the Bible and today, things don't always work out the way God planned either. Jesus proclaims the kingdom is here and now, but yet justice doesn't always prevail. Unjust systems make some people richer while oppressing others and sin happens. We are sometimes caught up in such complicated systems that any option we choose has negative consequences. This can be really overwhelming and depressing, especially the more we learn about how entrenched things like racism, homelessness, and environmental degrega degradation are in the most basic elements of our ordinary lives. Homelessness is something that I've heard is prevalent in, in Portland, and I can feel especially hopeless thinking about how complex the causes are of homelessness are and how immense the work is to change the systems that allow that to occur. <clears throat> Interestingly, Mennonites and Anabaptists have historically often been fairly optimistic about the possibilities for the kingdom present in our lives. But this is predicated on a kind of binary two kingdoms approach. In other words, we can perfectly enact the kingdom of God in our separate community while things of the world are clearly bad. I definitely appreciate the optimism this approach carries for our ability to transform the world. But I also know that even the church fails sometimes, or even many times. So what do we need to see more clearly? What does this call us to? These imperfections can help us see and experience God's grace. Grace is also woven through the biblical narrative because the kingdom of God is both already and not yet. We live in a world where God is actively working toward this beautiful picture of justice, peace, and wholeness for us, but yet we fail often to get there. We often don't live up to our own or others' ideals. Jesus proclaims that the kingdom is, of God is both here and also coming in the future, that we are not yet fully there. 
Because we are not yet there, we still wade through a life where the powers, the systems and structures of the world sometimes put us in places where we cannot make choices that lead to the kingdom. Not only do we face difficult systems, but things also change around us. The world is a changing place, and we change. What was right in one era or context may no longer be right in our current world and context. So we need the grace of God and each other to carry us through. Grace in the Bible could be described as a gift or a favor, often from God to humans. It also speaks to divine empowerment to do certain things. It does not negate justice, but provides the conditions for humanity to fulfill God's intent for God's creation. In the New Testament, grace helps people receive gifts of the Spirit to participate in the community of Christ in the world. So holding together the work for justice and practice of grace in our ordinary life and tasks in a kind of paradoxical balance can lead us to experience and perform the kingdom of God, which is both already and not yet. This is tricky. And sometimes we, we may need to lean toward one or the other. How to do the dishes? Sometimes Luis and I will equally share the dish duties. And sometimes we will offer grace for each other's limitations and life situations. Hopefully, somewhere in the future is a dishwasher for us. <laughs> but really, what could this look like in real life? As we work at holding together these elements of justice and grace, these practices of the kingdom, I believe we can also come in contact with the wonder and the wonderfulness of God's love in ordinary tasks. There are ways that these ordinary things can become a kind of sacred moment. The ordinary becomes extraordinary. For listeners, Jesus often presents the kingdom of God as a matter of perception. In telling parables, Jesus explains that not all will be able to hear and understand. So perhaps we can work at this perception, noticing God in our everyday tasks. In her book, Quotidian Mysteries, writer Kathleen Norris talks about how mundane tasks, like the dishes, can become a sort of ritualistic or liturgical moment. We humans need ritual, and these ordinary tasks can be a liturgy that grounds us in the bodies and needs that we have as well as our relationships and care for others. She writes, as, hum as a human being, Jesus Christ was as subject to the daily as any of us. And I see both the miracle of manna and the incarnation of Jesus as scandals. They suggest that God is intimately concerned with our very bodies and needs. And I doubt this is what we really want to hear. She says, we want to have life, we want life to have meaning, we want fulfillment, healing, even ecstasy. But the human paradox is that we find these things by starting where we are, not where we wish we were. To me, this speaks to a kind of wonder, a way of noticing what is wonderful in our daily living and the tasks that help us meet our physical needs. In terms we use today, it strikes me that mindfulness is a similar, similar way of bringing wonder and grace into our perception. 
In practicing mindfulness, ordinary, everyday actions like eating an apple or doing the dishes become a time to reflect on the beauty of God's creation, to become aware of ourselves, and to feel gratitude for the gifts we have in ordinary things and actions. I also think that allowing ourselves to find wonder in these ordinary moments and the grittiness of our everyday physical needs, we can practice grace for ourselves and for the frailty of our material existence. The parables Jesus tells often reveal something previously unseen and at times can be somewhat surreal, using hyperbole to highlight certain aspects of the story. And in the book of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is a master image that runs through the narrative, especially the parables. So, the kingdom of heaven is like Jesus flying down from the clouds with an army of angels using his might to put magic... What? Wait, oops, uh, whoops, wrong, wrong story. Okay, let's try that parable again. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman baking bread. How ordinary. She puts some yeast in the bread and suddenly it grows. How crazy and wonderful. This odd little thing called yeast makes the bread grow. In ordinary tasks, we can find miraculous transformation. The kingdom of heaven is like this. But we might not have noticed if we had not stopped to see the grace and wonder of everyday bread baking. Another way that ordinary tasks can become extraordinary is when many of them come together to create something larger. God's kingdom justice can seem a long way off, especially with issues like home homelessness. But this coming week, you all will put in many collective hours of ordinary work to create a home for the people of Family Promise. You all will do dishes, cook food, clean spaces, and do laundry. All toward the work of justice and seeking the peace of the city. Alone, each of your actions would not mean much, but together, as a church community, and partnering with other church communities, the needs of these four families can be met in a more consistent and long-term way. These ordinary tasks become extraordinary acts of justice. Now, this alone will not solve the homeless problem in Portland. A friend of mine in Oklahoma who spent years um, working with nonprofits and city government on issues of homelessness recently recommended a book to me that looks at the structural causes of homelessness. And I'm sure that many of you all could help me understand the context for this better in Portland. So the work continues, and there are also ways that ordinary tasks and actions can be brought together to work at larger structural changes, too. But as with the parable of the mustard seed, extraordinary, the extraordinary can start with something small, very small, and ordinary. New Testament scholar Brian Blount wrote a book exploring how African Americans interpreting the that, how, how African Americans interpret the Bible. He says that for Africans, Af African Americans interpreting the Bible, liberation is key. We do this. The Gospel of Matthew is not just calling us to think about the kingdom of God, but to enact it 
to perform it in our daily lives, and this leads us to liberation. We do this together as a distinct Christian community. This involves following Jesus, but discipleship is not exemplified by suffering because he says, a people who must endure a life of constant suffering would be less likely to romanticize it into a sought after goal of daily living and discipleship. Those who have experienced suffering do not recommend it for others. Viewed another way, we can experience and perform the kingdom of God together by calling for, imagining, performing rituals for, and bringing to life something greater than ourselves. Our ordinary tasks of justice and grace come together to build something bigger. And as we envision and revision, as we search just to find the kingdom and enact the kingdom in everyday ways, we call forth a new world. These actions can also help us find broader perception of God's work in the world, like the mustard seed growing in a miraculous way, a small, ordinary seed transformed into a huge tree. We can join in God's transformative justice. In moments of the everyday, in ordinary tasks, we can experience and practice the justice, grace, and wonder of the kingdom of God. With our king kingdom vision, we'll do ordinary acts of justice towards a more just society. We'll give grace to ourselves and each other when we don't live up to our ideals. And we'll practice wonder at the ways that our ordinary tasks can become extraordinary. Because the kingdom of God is already here. And at the same time, it is not here yet. And we practice this paradox in ordinary acts of justice and grace. Justice fills us with the food, the wholeness, the kingdom, while grace is the way that God restores us to the capacity to continue the journey. Along the way, our everyday actions propel us to experience wonder, where we can find the sacred in the ordinary. Like a mustard seed growing into a giant tree, our vision of God's kingdom is imagined, spoken, acted, sung into life. The kingdom of heaven is like a tiny bit of yeast and a woman baking a delicious loaf of bread. So who will do the dishes? How to do the dishes? We will all do them together as the beloved family of God.